0: It's important in the bonding of couples and marriage, and you should romance your spouse. Even after you're remarried, you need to have date nights and stuff, you know, because you've got to do that. We'll talk more about that this afternoon. But uh, this is not the love that the Bible uh, speaks about. There we go. A book that I uh, recently read talked about the difference between infatuation and enduring patient love. A group of, w- of women were, were sitting around talking about men in marriage, and I guess that's what they do, you know. Uh, one, one was a very elderly uh, woman, and she'd been married a long time. And they asked her, how long have you been married? And she says, oh, forever, was her answer. And they were all, well, how did you do that? The younger w- women uh, asked, because, you know, it, it seems like marriages today just uh, yeah. don't last long. Well, the, the, the lady said, well, my husband was quite smart. And he knew that our infatuation with each other would soon fall apart and fall away. And we, sooner or later, we would have an argument. And so he said uh, we had to have some rules about this. And he, and he called it the Geneva Conference of Marriage. We could argue, but, we could, but not so that we would hurt one another. We could disagree, but if we really, we had to do it kindly and not be vindictive. Well, how does this work for you, the younger ones asked the old lady says, "I really don't know because we're still infatuated with each other, <laughs> and uh sometimes it works that way. I'm still infatuated with myronell. you know I can remember when we first got married um we had a blue pickup truck, and the brand one was brand new and we were we were driving in the wintertime. She had a gray park on and, and Jennifer had been born she's been between us on the front seat there and, and I looked over and, and I just I didn't say it out loud, but in my heart, I said, I'm, I'm the most fortunate guy in the world. I'm really blessed, you know, and uh, she she still does that to me, uh, and I guess that's the way it should be, and I, I'm not an expert on this, so, you know, don't ask me later, uh, but I really liked what she said, and it reminded me that we do need to, to be realistic and make some some rules and commitments of our marriage. You know, we we decided before we even got married we, we wouldn't even discuss divorce. That was that was yep. foreboding. That was uh, not going to happen, and uh, and uh, we never did. Um, so you got to have some kind of thing like that. So there, so anyways, you can see, there's a big difference between infatuation and romantic love in a marriage. Romantic love, infatuation is very real, and it should not be minimized. It is important for the bonding of couples and marriage, and you should certainly uh, continue uh, romancing your spouse. Uh, but that's not the kind of love we're going to talk about. Unfortunately, the word love in the English language has been overused and misused. Uh, we, we say we love our wife or our husband, and in the next breath we say we love our dog or our boat or our car or some kind of shampoo or something. Um, in, in the 60s, and you need to pay attention right here, this This picture was taken on a commune in North Carolina, and that's Miss Arlene right there dancing around. It was the summer of love she's not even paying attention okay there you are, Marlene, right there yeah. uh, they carried around you know hippies hippies were there uh, make love, not war uh they wore T-shirts uh, promoting love. They went to San Francisco with flowers in their hair. They wore baggy pants and paisley shirts and danced in the streets. Um, and we listened to the drugs. I still like to listen to the Trogs. Uh, remember Wild Thing? Wild Thing, you make my heart yeah. sing. And then and I have another one. Uh, uh, love is all around us. Uh, uh, you can feel it in your fingers. Do you feel it in your toes? Yeah. yeah. It's written on the wind everywhere I go. I, I, it's, I still like that. It, it kind of cranks me up. But anyways, in the 60s, we talked about all this love, but that love was not the love that the Bible talks about. Love has been cheapened by overuse and by misuse, and even today it's, it's corrupted. It's spelled L-O-V-E, not L-U-V, but such is the way of the world. It always cheapens what God has made perfect. The world always substitutes a cheap Im- imitation for the genuine thing. So the word, the lo- love love has been cheapened. The English definition of love is pretty vague and even sloppy, but the Greek language is very precise, and it gives a very limited, precise definition of love. The Greek language actually has three words that you can translate into English love. The first word is eros, which is the word for passion or lust. Um, the English word erotic comes from eros. And this word does not occur in the New Testament. The New Testament uses two other words for love, phileo love and agape love. Phileo love uh, means affection or brotherly love. You get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Um, it means a, a love for mankind, a love of a brother. And phileo love is really the human love at its highest, highest plane. The word charity in the, in the Bible is our word for love. This is the agape love of the Bible. This is a higher love, a love on the highest plane. It's a divine love. Uh, Agape, agapo, uh, love of God is more than love in in the emotions. It's not based on feelings. Uh, Agape love is a love in the will. Uh, Agape love is a choice one has to make to love. You choose to love someone. This love is is really, it's kind of cold. It's cold and calculated. It's a choice you make in regards to one another it's unconditional selfless love that is shown to one who may may not even be deserving of your love maybe uh, undeserving uh, but we choose to love them anyways we choose to love even though we know it's going to cost us something even though it's going to hurt us and maybe even hurt us badly we still choose to to love that one this is the love we're going to talk about this morning. this is charity it's agape love this is a love that has is, uh, is expressed more with actions than with words. You know, talk as chief. You can say, oh, I love you, but, you know, well, show me. Show me how much you love you. This is the love that God has for mankind. This is the definition of God. You know, God is love. It's, it's his, the essence of his character. This agape love, this unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love, is the love that Paul talked about in his letter to the Ephesians. This agape love is, the le- is the, uh, what is the love that husbands are to show their wives, it's the love that Christ has for his bride, the church. This agape love is the love that Christ showed when he died to save us from our sins. Paul wrote the Ephesians and he said in 525, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. For it. This agape love is the love which I will try to talk about. The, the scriptures have much to say about this and you really should get in there and dig around. Uh, we don't have time to really do it this morning, we'll be here all day. There are literally hundreds of verses and several complete chapters that speak about love and especially about God's love and theologians have written entire books about the uh, love of God and you know you could just spend hours reading about it and uh, it almost short-circuited my mind because it was just too much, you know, it's too much to talk about so we have to narrow it down. It has a lot to say. Um, maybe sometime in the future, you know, uh, I like to study John, uh, the apostle of love, and we're, we're studying John, uh, his, his, first, his, epistle, uh, his gospel, and, and, uh, and I, I went through his epistles too, and I'm going to do that again and settle down, but uh, for this morning, I'm just going to hit the high points. Let's begin by looking at the Holy Spirit presents to us in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And we'll just read through this, and then we'll talk more about God's love. First Corinthians 13, Paul wrote and writes, and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding grass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long in is kind. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity envieth not itself. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childless things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Now, the world tells us to uh, promote and advance ourselves. You hear it all the time. The world tells us you need to be assertive, you need to be aggressive and, and grasping. You know, you need to go after it. The world tells us to obtain and possess all we can. And, but the Holy Spirit, through Paul, tells us just the opposite. Paul presents to us a more excellent way. And that's found in chapter 12, uh, 31, just before the, the love chapter. He, he says, um, he, he said it this way, uh, 1 Corinthians twelve thirty-one. But I earnestly, but earn, I covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show, you, show unto you a more excellent way. Yeah. That way, the more excellent way, is the way of love. And uh, that's agape love, remember. Without love, all your striving and obtaining will be for nothing. Without love, all your education, all your biblical knowledge, all your faith, all your theology will be for nothing. Without real love, all that good works will be done in vain. Real love, real love, love for God and love for others should be our motivation for everything that we do. If real love, selfless giving love is not your motivation for your good works, then you should not expect any lasting rewards. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, uh, 4, four, four to 1, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before we, before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in, and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thine left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thy honest may be in secret, and yet thy Father, which seeth in secret, Himself shall re- reward thee openly. Paul describes. Did that change? No. There we go. The right one. Yeah. Paul describes charity or agape love as being long-suffering, kind, not envious, not proud. Uh, real love does not call attention to itself and is and really is thick-skinned. It's not easily provoked. Uh, real love uh, allows us to absorb slates and cutting remarks and hurtful words and offenses while at the same time we do not respond in kind. Uh, it's, we should be like UL devices. Anybody know that? UL laboratories? When you get an electrical thing, uh, they have a tag on their UL tested. Well, part of the testing is is that your your appliance shouldn't give off any interference and it should accept all interference. I had a I had a TV and a a blender one time. Every time I ran the blender at the TV, we go haywire, because it, it put out interference. And so, if you have a UL tested and it's supposed to be right, then you can run the blender and watch TV and nothing will happen. But we're supposed to be like that. We're supposed yeah. to bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Real love does not think evil, and it does not rejoice in sinning, but it does rejoice in the truth. It rejoices in God's word. Real love joyfully bears the burdens of others. Uh, 12, uh, Romans 12, 13, and, and Romans is a good book to read about love too. Uh, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Uh, Philippians, uh, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not, not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's agape love. He, choo- he choose to do that. And Paul again in Galatians, ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now what is the law of Christ? Christ has commanded that we love one another. Jesus says, has given us the, the great commandment, or sometimes called the golden rule, you know, love God and love others. That's a good thing. You need to remember that. Uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. God tells us to love one another but you might be thinking, well, you know I, I know, I know something about this guy, and I really don't like, feel like loving him. Or you might think, well, they don't deserve my love. Well, you're going to be wrong, my friend, because love, divine agape love, is the love that God demands. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. God's love, agape love, is a cold, calculated choice. It's a decision, decision that one makes to <laughs> obey God and to love God's, let God's love throw through us unto others. We're supposed to be conduits, channels of his love. God's love is unconditional. None of us deserves God's love, but he chooses to love us anyways. Think about that for a while. We are to love in the same manner. We are to be that channel, a pipeline for God's love. Since we are saved and we have experienced God's love, we have the moral obligation to love others with the same self-sacrificing agape love that was shown to us. Uh, However, often Uh, This doesn't happen, and there are several reasons for this, but primarily it all goes back to uh, not obeying God's Christ commandment. Our primary, our first obligation is to love God. If we get that right, then all the others will fall into place. If you get your vertical right, then your horizontal takes care of itself. Uh, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. It doesn't take second place, but it's equal. You know, they're, they're equal. Uh, equal force in those commandments. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang, hang all the law and the prophets. Missed it again. There it is. Now, the Apostle John has much to say about God's love and the believer's duty to, to love one another. And uh, we, we, we're going through the book of John over in Malacatla, and we got to, uh, Jesus, last recorded prayer is, uh, chapter 17, and at the end of that thing, uh, you should really read it, but it talks about, uh, his prayer for the church, and his prayer for the church is that we love one another, and that we know, uh, God's love, uh, God loves us the way he loves the Son. It's really something i never, uh, saw it before, but it's really powerful, and you should maybe study that on your own, but, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a powerful statement that he prayed for the church. He uh, wouldn't think he'd have to do that, but he does. Anyways, Apostle John uh, was known, as, we know him as the, the apostle of love because of his humility and the love he showed Christ and to, to other believers. But you know, John in his earlier years did not always display the love for which he became known. In fact, uh, Jesus called John and his brother James the sons of thunder because of their fiery temperament. They, they wanted to call fire down on a town one time when, because they had rejected them and rejected the Savior. Another time they showed their self-centeredness by demanding that Christ let them sit on his right and his left hand in the kingdom. Uh, John was a rough and, and hardened fisherman, and I, I imagine to him, him as to be like some of the fishermen today. You know, we have a saying over in Malakaluh. I don't know if your fishermen have it, but uh, we say it all the time. You catch all you can and can all you catch. And that's the way John was, I think, Uh, Before he met Jesus. However, after being with Christ, after hearing his uh, teachings, after believing Christ to be the Messiah and Savior of the world, John was transformed. This is what happens when you get saved. You're transformed. You're a new creature. He was no longer quick tempered. He was no longer self centered or selfish. Uh, He became bold and and courageous. Uh, He did not back down on the stand for Christ. He steadfastly defended the faith from the assault of false teachers. But he and he showed courage with humility. And if you read this through his Gospels, he never even mentions his name one time. Instead, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. I really like that. Uh, what a demonstration of humility. What an appreciation for whom Christ is and what, for what he has done for us. John had his focus in the right place. He knew that to show love, we must first know the love of God. In his epistles, John does not refer him, to himself as an apostle, Although he was, instead he calls himself the elder or the pastor. The rough and tough fisherman does not harshly rebuke the wayward believers, but gently, gently and tenderly calls them beloved ones and little children. What a difference Christ made in his life. Christ's love, love, God's love transformed John and made a difference in his life. Christ and his love will make a difference in your life as well. John knew the love of Christ. John experienced the self-sacrificing agape love, the divine, the high divine love that uh, Christ demonstrated on the cross. God manifested his love for for us even though we were lost in sin. Even then he gave his son as the atonement for our sin. Uh, Romans 8, or Romans 5, 5 and 8. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. But scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet yeah, preventure for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, or manifested or approved his love towards us, in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, have everlasting life love for God and love for others are inseparably intertwined they're they're like a rope that's uh, woven together if your fellowship with God is cold and distant and inconsistent then your love for if your love for the Lord has grown cold and is lacking then your love for others will just follow suit it happens all the time we get so busy with the things of the world we neglect our relationship with God our father We don't take the time to just adore and worship and appreciate the Lord. We don't spend time in our daily devotions. Uh, We would rather blend in with the world than separate from the world and and draw near to God. We neglect our quiet time, and so we drift away, and our love grows cold. Like an ember removed from the fire, we grow cold and eventually become spiritually ineffective. You know, it fizzles out. Sin breaks our fellowship with God, and this is one reason we don't love others. The Bible warns us of this as a very real, insidious danger. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1 or 2, Be be ye therefore followers of God as children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And and in Revelation, you need to go through that again. Nevertheless, I had someone against thee, because they have left, thou hast left thy first love. Talking to the church at Ephesus. We leave our first love many times. Leaving our first love, neglecting, ignoring our Heavenly Father, will result in a lack of love for others. You, you just think about the times when you got crossways with the Lord. What's the next first thing you did after that? You got crossways with your wife or your kids or you kicked your dog or something. It happens. We do it all the time. We shouldn't, but we do. Our our attention drifts away from the Lord, and we shift our focus on ourselves, on our situations. We kind of let pride lift its ugly head, and and we become self-centered and selfish. We hold a pity party for ourselves. As pride uh, in in self increases, it will spew its poison into our souls, and you begin to think that you're something special, that you're owed blessings from the Lord, that you're deserving, uh, entitled to things. This, of course, is a lie from the devil. You're not owed anything. You do not deserve anything except a righteous judgment of God. Think about that. You're dead until he saves you. you know? And he does that unconditionally. But uh, you didn't do anything for your salvation. You don't deserve it. Um, so why do we always work so hard to like we got to please God? Make him love us. He's not going to love you any less. Think about that for a while. That's not in my notes, but I just thought of it. Um, uh, We don't deserve it. God redeems us and he blesses us. But when we focus on self, we don't recognize this. Our love grows cold. We don't show love to one another. Um, We do not possess the humble mind of Christ. And remember, he humbled himself in obedience to the Father and went to the cross. Christ did it because of love. Love is humble. Love vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. We need to have the same kind of uh, mindset We need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have that spirit of humility, a spirit of love. Just as we are accepted in the beloved, we must also accept others. Remember, we are not always acceptable, but Christ will always accept us. It's like our kids, you know. um, uh, We always accept them back to the house, but they might not be acceptable. They may be pretty dirty, you know, but they're always accepted in. Same way with God. Um, We need to be obedient and just love one another regardless of what others have done. They're your brothers and sisters. We're family. We may be wrong, and, and, and they may indeed be unlovely, but they're ours, and we should love them. They're family. You may not like them. You may not even agree with them. And you should not condone sin just because they're brothers and sisters, but you have to love them. God has commanded it. If you find that you have a hard time loving them, you need to pray for them. Yeah, pray for them, because when you start praying for, for them, something happens uh, to you. God has commanded that we do that as well. We need to pray for each other. Do not pray that God will make them into your image. Do not pray that God will make them agree with you. Rather, pray that God will bless them and conform them into the image of Christ. Because prayer, that Christ saying prayer changes things, it does. It, pray, it changes people, but most of all, prayer will change you. As you pray for a man, soon you're going to find out you begin to love him. <laughs> That's a strange thing. You, as you pray for others, you find you become more forgiving more for varying of them. You see things in a different perspective, which is the way it's supposed to be. Julius Gordon said, Love is not blind, it sees more, not less. But because it sees more, it's willing to see less. Proverbs 12, uh, Solomon wrote down, Hatred stirf up strife, but love covereth all sins. Love, love covers all s- sins. 1 Corinthians uh, thirteen, seven, Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And Peter wrote, uh, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. As you start praying for somebody, uh, uh, you can get past the sin and and love them. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 14, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, uh, bowels of bulls of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, if any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Yes. Christ has commanded us to love one another. If we live in disobedience to this command, it's going to result in a chastening of the Lord. He talked about take, taking them to the woodshed. I've been there quite a few times. And he'll take you there for, for not loving your brothers. Uh, Lord will not bless indeed he cannot bless because you live in, in disobedience and puts up a barrier your 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 prayers will go unanswered until you get right with God, and indeed your life will become most miserable and if you continue to go on in your disobedience, you will become bitter, and the acid of hate will erode your life and your soul. The holy Spirit whoops okay, the Holy Spirit uh, dwells within each believer if we love. If we offend, if we grieve the Spirit, if we ignore the Spirit's prompting, we're going to quench the Spirit, and we're going to actually limit God. You can limit God. That's a, that was a, a mind-blowing thing when I fi- finally figured out that. You can, you can put the brakes on God. Uh, the Holy Spirit desires to produce the sweet fruit of love in your heart, but he can't do it if you refuse to yield, yield to his leading. The Holy Spirit, he's not going to scream at you. He will whisper and gently touch your soul. He will tenderly squeeze your heart. And quietly point out your lack of love. When he does that, don't argue with him. Don't say, "No, it's not me." Don't grieve him. Listen to him, and then obey him. Then he will work that divine love within you, and you will, and, and you will, uh, flow. And, and that love that's in, in you will 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 eventually flow out of to those around you. Uh, Galatians, uh, 5, 13, 17, For brethren, ye have not been called unto liberty. You have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but love and serve one another. For all the love is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we bite and devour one another, take heed, ye do not consume one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. So ye have... You cannot do the things that you should. We need to get our priorities right. We need to first love God, and we need to love him more and more each day. We need to maintain that sweet fellowship through our quiet times of prayer and Bible reading. If we neglect that, we need to begin it again and enjoy that sweet communion with our Heavenly Father. Then, as we love God, he will pour his love into us through the Spirit and we'll begin to love each other flow out of us, especially our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Yeah. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Paul is showing us a more excellent way. We should live according to the law of love. The, if you want to call it the golden rule? That's fine. Love, genuine agape love, is not a secondhand emotion. Yeah. Love is a choice that we make. This choice is not based on our feelings or emotions. Indeed, uh, you know, it, it almost seems to be cold and calculated decision, but it is genuine, real love. You know, Christ loved us when we were yet unlovely, and we should do the same. And we can if we allow Christ's love to flow through us. Real love was demonstrated in actions, deeds, not in words or, or, or bubbly, fuzzy feelings. Christ is the source of real love. Remember, Christ transformed Peter and James and John, these rough, tough fishermen, into instruments of his love. And Christ can do the same for us. We are yielded to Christ. He will make us channels of his love. And love is the only thing that's going to abide forever. Today we live by faith and we walk by faith. and We have the assurance or hope that we are saved. We have faith and assurance that we're going to live forever and spend eternity with Christ in, in heaven. But when he, when, when he comes to get us, Uh, When we are in heaven, we're no longer going to live and walk by faith. I don't know if you guys thought of that, but it's true. We're going to be there, and we're going to walk by sight. We're going to know him, and we will see him, and and as I said, we'll walk by sight. But love is going to abide forever. Uh, Love will last for eternity. We will know love, see love, feel love, and we will give love forever. And that is why Paul said that love or, or charity is the greatest of the three. Lord Jesus transformed the Apostle John, uh, one of the Sons of Thunders, into the Apostle of love. And Jesus Christ can do the same thing for our lives if we allow him. Um, we love, as we love God and as we yield to the prompting of the Spirit, he will transform us, and his love will be manifest to others. So, that's it. Love each other. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your love for us, and Father... We pray that the Spirit will uh, bring these things to mind as we uh, go through our life. And, Father, help us to, to examine our lives and help us to see if we're being channels of God's love. If we're holding grudges or anything like that, we need to take care of that and and uh, and uh, forsake that. And, Father, help us to, uh, to love others as you love us. We ask these things in Jesus' name.